What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Wednesday episode of Dietitian Table Talks. I'm your host, Emily Bogato, and today, today, I finally have a guest. I told you guys I'm not, I wasn't going to come back until I have someone else on here, so you don't have to just listen to my voice all the time. So you're welcome. I got someone else on here, and she is awesome. Um, I give a big intro to her once I have her on the line, so I'm not going to do that now, but I think that, you know how podcasters, they always intro the person before and then they have the person join the call, and we should stop that because sometimes people just need a little bit of hype. They need to hear all of these amazing things about them, so that's why I did it with her on the line. So enjoy the episode. Please subscribe if you're not. Rate, leave me a nice review. Go follow her. Check out this description box and enjoy. Hold up. I'm back because as I'm editing this, I'm realizing that our audio is like slightly off. So at some points, it sounds like we're interrupting each other and at other points it sounds like there was like a longer pause in between than there actually was um and I talked to Anchor the app that I record through and they said there's no way to fix it and I remember this happened to Des as well um so there are some parts where it sounds like we're talking over each other but for the most part it's only like one person at a time talking like for a long time so it should be okay, except some parts. I'm sorry, it's so cringeworthy. We're like talking over each other and then pausing. Um, but it really wasn't like that, I promise you. So hopefully you can bear through it so that you can get this awesome information. All right, guys. So today I have Casey Orvitas, or you can call her Dr. Orvitas, if you <laughs> want to put some respect on there. There you go. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on here today because I have been doing solo episodes like back to back to back weeks, and I'm sure <sighs> they are getting sick of listening to my voice. <laughs> Ready for some company. <laughs> yeah get a new voice on here. So um, if anyone doesn't know Casey or Casey Joe already, I want to hype her up for a second. So go ahead. If you're not driving, pull her up on Instagram. It's at mm-hmm. coach Casey Joe. Uh, she posts tons of like super helpful posts. And I feel like her posts are kind of different compared to some of the other things that you see over and over and over again on like fitness accounts on Instagram. And I've never once disagreed with anything she's posted. I'm always like, (laughs) hell yeah, here we go. (laughs) Uh, She's a psychologist and fitness coach, which I feel like is not very common. Uh, She's an expert in mindset and health behavior change. And not only does she work with fitness clients online, she has a team of coaches that work for her business and she does a health mindset coaching certification program for other coaches who want to help their clients be more successful with their goals. So if I had like a clapping button, I would press that right now. (laughs) 
But thank you so much for the lovely intro. Of course. And congrats on the 20K, which is actually 20.2 now, I just saw. Yeah. <laughs> Climbing awesome. up again. <laughs> yeah. Thank I you. don't remember when I started following you. I think. So how long have you and Sam been together? Uh, a little over a year now. Okay. I think that may have been when I started following you because I went to, uh, it was called Metabolic Mastery, I think, that he okay. spoke at. So I was following um... him and then saw him posting with you and I was like oh gotta follow this girl too (laughs) I love it that's great yeah so I want to just start by like hearing more about your educational background because like I said it's a lot different than what most coaches online if they even have any formal education (laughs) right um it's just different so I want to hear what got you into that um did you plan on like having this business when you were doing your research and stuff like that or how did this play out yeah yeah I'm like trying to think like how far back do I want to go here <laughs> um, yeah so I guess um, when I was in college I kind of took the track of psychology sociology I tacked on a minor in public health but I feel like nobody really cares or talks about minors so um, but was going down that track it matters okay um, was going down that track um, and actually had most of my interests and my research in undergrad was in children of incarcerated parents. And I was really interested in like criminal psychology. Um, For a good portion of my college career, I was pretty much dead set on becoming a prison warden. So I'm sure for those of you who have been following me and stuff, you're like, Oh, my God, what? That's crazy. Um, But I just thought as so cool because prisons are essentially like small towns right so being Mm -hmm. the warden you're essentially like a mayor of a small town and you get to oversee like okay there's dental facilities there's medical facilities there's a cafeteria there's Mm -hmm. laundry you know it's literally everything under just like a much smaller in a much smaller capacity so I just thought that was super cool um love the idea of sort of taking that I don't want to say like managerial route, but more so just like higher level route and being essentially um, someone who can make such a big influence on just like such a large group of people. So um, you wanted to be the boss man. (laughs) Essentially. Yes, exactly. So (laughs) I loved all of that. I was going to school for psychology. So I did have some like specific interests in like criminal psychology too, but thought it would be really cool to be able to be that prison warden who has that background in psychology and understands people on that Mm -hmm. level. So um, that's originally what I thought I was going to do. Um, Over time throughout college, I fell in love with strength training and figured out how great it was for me, my confidence, my dedication in other areas of life, Um, got really into nutrition sort of along with that, just sort of poking around and listening to other people's mm-hmm. YouTube videos, things like that. Yeah, um, that was me too. <laughs> yeah. And I totally just like, you know, thought it was more so of this will be like my fun side thing. And like, I, my career is going to be in like crime and law and all of that. So I thought that for a bit, um, eventually got to the point where it's like kind of starting, I think it was a maybe junior in college at this point starting to think about like, okay, so does this mean like I don't go to grad school or I go get a master's in something or like, what does this look like? And really at this point had really, really started to fall in love with health and fitness and almost to the point where I was like a black sheep of like my friends who were still like binge drinking all weekend and doing Mm -hmm. all of those things. So I kind of had this I guess, realization that a lot of people are interested in crime. And that's why like, 
NCIS exists and Law and Order and all of this stuff. Like lots of people are interested in that, but not a lot of people are as interested in health and fitness as I was. So I got to this point where I was like, do I really enjoy this beyond like the average person? Like probably not, but I definitely feel that way with health and fitness. So instead of sort of pursuing more things and more research and more experiences on the criminal and law side of things, I actually started to think like, okay, where could I take at, Hey, I have a degree in psychology. What's great about that is that it really can go any direction. Right. So, yeah, um, it really turned out to like help you out in the long run. I know. Even though it may have seemed at the time, like, dang, like, I this really is the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I was also kind of battling with this like essential, like existential, like <laughs> question in my mind of like how I was enjoying health and fitness so much and it was changing my life and making me feel so much better and more badass and more confident like why do we have an obesity epidemic on our hands why do we have all these people in the world who know they should exercise and eat healthy and they aren't so there was Mm -hmm. there's some psychological component to this right because it's not a knowledge thing people know they need to do this right so just like i have a coach yeah i have a coach even though i know yeah like what I need to yeah. do. I have I a coach too. Like coach. <laughs> <laughs> coaches need coaches. Yep, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and that's, that was sort of like what piqued my interest. And then I was like, okay, so if I want to dive into this more, like maybe we go to grad school. So started looking at um, PhD and master's programs, decided like if I wanted to do this, I wanted to go the whole way. I wanted to be an expert in the material. I wanted to get a PhD. There's lots of um, PhD programs now that are terminal degrees, which means you don't necessarily need to have a master's degree beforehand and you don't necessarily get a master's during the program either you just go straight through to your PhD so that's what I did end up doing yep so I applied to all programs that were like that of course you could have a master's degree and still apply for these programs, and it probably does give you a leg up um, but you don't Mm -hmm. necessarily need one so that's what I ended up doing. I started just looking for, um, because how, if you're not familiar with the PhD interview process, you're essentially like applying to work with a person. So it's almost like job interview hunting and, um, going for these job interviews and you're essentially applying to work with a a specific advisor. So what I did was look for, uh, professors of psychology that were studying health behavior change and, um, understanding like how we get people to exercise more and eat healthier, even if they know that they should be doing it. So um, I applied to a bunch of different programs, uh, had a bunch I was like across the board of different forms of psychology, ended up at an applied social and community psychology program at North Carolina State University. I worked with Dr. Jenny Burnett. She had the mindset lab. So I did not go into grad school thinking like, I want to study mindsets. That was essentially like (laughs) placed in my lap. Um, When I saw Mm -hmm. that Dr. Burnett was doing a lot of um, research around obesity and health behavior change and like all forms of behavior change, really. Um, But what really, of course, piqued my interest was the health and fitness and wellness sort of Mm -hmm. side of things. And everything she was doing was based on like growth versus fixed mindset. And that was new to me at the time. So I was really introduced to mindset work going into my grad school program, Um, fell in love with it, saw that it was showing up pretty much in every different domain across the board, whether it's entrepreneurship or health and fitness or relationships or intelligence, like it was everywhere. And it's so powerful. I've been seeing growth mindset everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it really has like, I think um, at this point, so I'm, we're talking, I've been out of my PhD for 
over five years at this point. But um, back like five years ago, it wasn't as much of a buzzword as it is now. For no, sure. I, I didn't know what it was even yeah, back then. Exactly. Yeah. So it's definitely kind of like came up in popularity, which I love because it does mean that people are recognizing the importance of it. But at the same time, it can be irk me a little bit every so often, like seeing people oh, yeah. call themselves, you know, mindset coaches. And I'm like, but do you really know what that means? So um, that's yeah. where kind of I read your bio today. And it said, <laughs> talking about mind like what talking about mindset before it was cool yeah yeah like I think that. it's um uh, I was researching mindset before it was cool on Instagram <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's what it was yeah like, definitely <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yeah so then um I guess to like throughout my PhD I um got into health and fitness coaching simply because it was sort of a a fun side hustle for me. Um, So it was like, hey, you don't get paid very much to get a PhD. So it's kind of fun to have a little bit of supplemental income. And also I still like had this like really strong adoration for health and fitness and strength training, especially for women. So this was like a cool way for me to still like keep that in my life. Of course, I was still studying like health and fitness behaviors in a through it like mm-hmm. a like psychological lens, but the actual, you know, like science of nutrition and training, like that was not part of my PhD. I had a certification, I had mentors, like that sort of thing. So, and no, to answer your question from um, I know I've been talking forever, but <laughs> to answer your question no, you're fine, from girl. um from earlier, you had said like, did you know that you were going to like build your business during your PhD? And like the short answer is like absolutely not. Um, throughout my PhD, I didn't really think I wanted to stay in academia. So be a professor and do research in that capacity. Um, had a total open mind. If I fell in love with teaching or whatever, then sure, maybe. Um, but more so was along the the path of doing industry research. So this would be like, we want to talk like high level, this would be places like Nike or Fitbit or Apple Watch or something like that and do research on their like health behavior change team. So that's kind of what I was pining for at that point. I always had thought, I even remember telling a friend um, back in my first year of my program that it would be really, really cool to build something. I didn't know what that would be, but like I always just had a little bit of like, it would be cool to kind of like do my own thing, but like who gets a PhD and does their own thing, you know? (laughs) So um, Mm -hmm. when it seems like you're doing really well. <laughs> yeah, it turned out okay, right? Um, so, and technically, you are still doing the teaching right, thing, right? Just in right, way. exactly. I think the only thing that I ended up not really still holding on to is like being really heavily involved in research, which I do miss for sure. Mm-hmm. If there's ever an opportunity in the future and someone wants to like tack me onto their um, their next study and need like extra help, like I'm all for it. But <laughs> yeah, so mm-hmm. I think that that's the only part that actually did end up getting left out sort of, um, I definitely played sort of the the corporate game for a little bit, got tugged around by a pretty big and powerful company was planning to maybe go be on their science team. Um, but it was a lot of like back and forth. And I interviewed and six months later, they still didn't give me a straight answer. Lots of like moving people around and changing positions. And I was at one point was just like, look, I got to start making money. I'm out of school now. Like I have Mm -hmm. this little side hustle thing that I guess I could try to grow, um, which is exactly what I did. So I kind of said like, screw you to the corporate world was like, I'm going to do my own thing. And here we are. So yeah, today um, we have my business is kind of like 
two different sections. One is the one-on-one health and fitness coaching side. I have three other coaches on my team. So we have a great group of clients there. I do a lot of continuing education and of course, like help with body composition goals, mindset goals. And I really try to intertwine the mindset components into our coaching as much as possible. Um, and then the other half mm-hmm. of my business is coaching other coaches. So yeah, that's where we have the health mindset coaching certification, which has been going really well. We just had our first cohort we're about done at this point but have 119 coaches in that group so it's been really great um lots lots of lots of wow yeah no it's been so fun though everyone's been so interactive with each other and I've learned so much from them too and yeah so that's a big teaching component for sure I get to kind of play professor for that at least (laughs) but yeah that's where I'm at yeah this makes me want to (laughs) do someday would love to have you or your um yeah. Um, so it sounds like, you know, you incorporate like the mindset stuff into your coaching. So what is like an example of how you incorporate that? Is it like a mm-hmm. question, like you're getting their feedback um, and yep. their check-ins or? Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, right? Because I think this is where things can get very different depending on like, hey, do you actually have like a PhD in this stuff? And like, you don't need a PhD in this stuff to help someone with their mindset, right? And I'm sure you've helped many people with their mindset without maybe even realizing that you're using like evidence-based tools. Um, So yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think you need to have a PhD to really understand this stuff. And that's the goal with uh, the mindset certification is to send coaches through this 12-week program and essentially get a good chunk of the bits and pieces that I've learned over the course of like actually researching this stuff. So that said, we like to say at KJO Coaching that we're not mindset coaches. We're still health and fitness coaches that place a very strong emphasis on mindset. So if you're coming to us and you're like, Hey, I have a lot of like self-limiting beliefs. I have some mindset blocks that I'm working with. I don't care about macros. I don't care about working out. I don't care about eating healthy. Then we're not the people for you. Like (laughs) we're still very much so Mm -hmm. health and fitness coaches. We just understand how crucial the mindset and psychology components of behavior change really are and do our best to sort of like inter make that interwoven into our practices. So what that can look like is a variety of things. We're not going to directly be like, Hey, let's work on your growth mindset this week. Like it it doesn't work that way. Um, (laughs) it's It's a lot of a lot of the ways that we communicate things or the different questions that we ask, or Mm -hmm. um, if we do have someone who's like, like motivational. Yeah, totally, totally. And um, a lot of it comes down to, yeah, the way that we present information, the way that we um, essentially work to inspire dependence and self-efficacy in our clients versus like them feeling like we are the ones with all the answers and they need us to be able to do the things. Um, And we Mm -hmm. do, of course, like, If it comes to a point where we have a client who's like, look, I know I'm struggling with this. I can't or I can't get my priorities straight or yada, yada, yada. Like there's a lot of different like tools and exercises that we do like sort of have up our sleeves. We'd be like, hey, go journal about this or go work on this like circle exercise. I'm thinking of a specific one in my head. (laughs) And then come back and let me know like sort of what you gleaned from it or um what you came up with, or if you don't want to journal, fine, just like email me back with like your responses to these questions. And we can kind of like have a conversation from there. So we do 
kind of, it's almost more so like a case by case basis, like what sort of will pull out. Um, there isn't any sort of like step-by-step -step process, no linear progression here, just like anything else. Yeah. Just dependent mm -hmm. on the person's exactly. situation. Yeah. Oh, so that's, that's pretty awesome. much how we go about it. So one thing that I've learned over time is that someone could be like super educated and smart when it comes to like nutrition and training, but not be totally. a good coach. So with your background in psychology, I'm wondering, do you know if someone can learn to be a good coach or is it kind of like a personality? Oh, I definitely trait? think people can learn. I think they, they can learn as much okay. as their own mindset will allow them. Right. So I, I, okay. I, I say this <laughs> to um, the folks in the mindset certification right now a lot. And I say like, Hey, everyone who's here, all 119 of you are already good coaches because you already realize that you need more of this stuff in your practices. You want to do better. You want to be better. It's the people who maybe came across the opportunity to enroll in the certification and we're like, Oh, you know, that stuff's not really important. Or I already know how to talk to my clients or things of like, those are the people from mm -hmm. it. Right. So great. But, point. So I think a lot of it, <laughs> a lot of times it comes down to like, if coaches truly don't think that they have anywhere more to improve, they can't get better, that their communication skills can't get better, that they can't help their clients with their mindset more. And it's, it's the whole, like, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Like the coaches who truly believe that, like they might have a tough time continuing to get better. And that comes along with like continuing to get more clients and holding on to clients longer because they're already sort of in that headspace that, they where they're at is good and it's the client's fault not their own so that's why I say it's like it can come down to the coach's mindset at that point because if you don't think you have anywhere to improve or you don't think that like actually getting training and health behavior change is going to help you and that's not something that you need or it's something that you just you know are innately born with because you're a coach um it's those people <laughs> that I, I do worry about but in general <laughs> I do point. think that everyone can become I, I can become a better coach like everyone always has like everyone has room yes too. there's always room for, for sure. growth and if you don't believe that you can grow anymore then like you're going to be very stagnant and eventually probably be unhappy <laughs> so um yeah I mean I look back at like when I first started coaching I'm like wow like they they told me I was a great coach back then and I, I think about it I'm like eh, it's so true yeah so absolutely absolutely yeah so yeah as long like Long story short, I do think everyone can learn this stuff, can get better at this stuff. You don't need a PhD. You don't need to be like part psychologist to actually be able to home in on this stuff. Obviously, I do think I might have a little bit more of a knack for certain things or be able to pick up on things a little bit differently because I did spend nearly five years literally studying this stuff. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't learn a good chunk of it, which is exactly why I made the certification because I didn't really see that, you know, traditional nutrition and um, training certifications included any, if not like enough of the behavior change and sort of mindset side of things. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. Like during my schooling to be a dietitian, we did talk about mindset, mm -hmm. obviously like motivational interviewing awesome, and yeah. stuff like that. But with, just like training and stuff like that. Like when I took my NASA course, I don't really remember them talking <laughs> right, about that exactly. <laughs> and like to be honest, like not all um like programs that actually make you a dietitian go through all that too. So it's awesome to hear no, that yours I did. 
I know my well I think it's because my internship it was a community Mm. focus which is different than clinical um just they just focus more on different things and I have like a shorter clinical rotation and longer community rotation because I've heard other dietitians that I know say that too yeah you're like wait you got that yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I'm happy I got that at least (laughs) But I want to dive into some of your posts. So something that recently I've been doing when I have people on my podcast that I actually stole from someone who had me on their podcast. Um, I kind of like dig through your posts and pick out some ones that I want you to dive in on, maybe talk about a little bit Mm -hmm. deeper. And the first one is one that was pretty recent. And it's the one that said, it's perfectly okay to want to change while loving and appreciating where you're at yeah. currently, because this seems to be kind of a hot mm-hmm. topic right now. Um, like the difference between like what diet culture is and what making changes are. Like, I feel like there's a lot of black. Yeah, now, yeah, so. absolutely. And I do think it's funny because like you've been just saying that to me, that black and white culture is essentially like you can change or, and like be unhappy with where you are, or you should just like the anti-diet sort of thing, right? Like never diet because that means you don't love yourself. So that we definitely run into sort of like those polarizing messages. And that's essentially what this post Mm -hmm. was trying to get at. It's like, why can't it be okay to be like, Hey, my body's awesome. I'm rocking it. Like, this is cool. But like, I also like have some goals and want to do make some changes and see where that takes me and challenge myself a little bit. And I just truly don't see how that can be as harmful as sort of the messages that are out there. Like if you want to do those things, well, you better look inside yourself because that means you're not happy there. Um, Or it's like, Oh, Mm -hmm. you, um, you don't want to change. Okay. That's like, good. That means that you love yourself and that's the way it should be. It's like, there has to be some, something else here, right? It can't just be one or the other. Um, And it's very interesting too, because this actually even ties back into a lot of the research that I did on growth versus fixed mindset when it comes to health and fitness behaviors. We run into this issue of what is essentially called the double-edged sword effect of a growth mindset. Um, And with this, it's essentially the idea that if you believe that you can change, like you truly believe like, oh my gosh, wow, like, my eyes are open now, I can change my eating behaviors, I can change my exercise behaviors. And that's gonna like, I'm gonna lose weight, I'm gonna have more energy, I'm gonna feel better about myself, this is gonna be great. You have this sort of like realization, that's all growth mind mindset sort of oriented thinking. But then that can turn into Mm -hmm. like, okay, if I'm responsible for my change, and I can do all this stuff, that also means that like, it's my fault for where I'm at right now. It's my fault for being unhealthy oh. and not taking care of myself and all of it comes back on to you and like you're responsible for that part too if you're also responsible for your change so and that can be problematic right because then it turns into like how do we present messages of you can change you can do all of these things you can make a difference in like your lifestyle and all of that but also encourage people not to feel guilty or ashamed for where they currently are. Um, And that's, I mean, that's something Mm -hmm. that we deal with in the real world and we deal with it in the research. Like how, cause we know this growth mindset thing is like so awesome and so powerful and can really like cultivate change in someone that wasn't able to change before. But is it really at what cost, right? At the cost of like them feeling super ashamed and guilty because they spent the last like few years 
also like being responsible for like their current unhealthy habits and their health issues or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's definitely something that's hard to do in the research. We call it compensatory messaging. So it's this idea of like trying to encourage like, Hey, you can change, but it's okay if you're not there yet sort of thing. So um, that is something that I mean, we try to incorporate in our coaching um, at KGO, something I've talked about a lot in the certification. So it's it's a difficult message to get across. um, But I think it's one that we as like a collective society of coaches and health and fitness people do need to continue to sort of work on bringing into the light. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I feel like, well, as you can imagine, being a dietitian, there, I almost feel like I'm a rebel because there's mm-hmm. so many like totally. anti-diet, anti-macros, anti-that stuff on social media. And it, you know, it's, it's just kind of sending like confusing messages to people because yeah. they're like, wait, am I bad for tracking macros? Am I bad for mm-hmm. doing this? Like there's just so much like shit yeah. going on. And I, I wonder, I feel like it, it almost seems like the dietitians or the, you know, whoever it is online, it seems like their personal experience are, is coming into play when they make yeah, these opinions totally. on stuff. Like, like macros were not good at all for <laughs> them mentally. So they think yep. it's absolutely terrible for everyone mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I just feel like, it, I just feel like people have kind of like a bias and then they want to turn everyone against that because it doesn't align with their program that they're Mm -hmm. running yeah you know it's funny you say that too because even on um like perspective client calls and stuff like that when i am talking to other people and they're like you know i'm just i need someone to sift through the bullshit out there i need someone to tell me what to do because i read one thing from one person that's do it this way and then i scroll a little bit further and someone's saying to do it the other way and i'm like sick of it and i'm like you know a lot of it I do think does come down to exactly what you're saying. It's like personal preference and opinions. And just because it worked for that person mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's going to work for you, but it might, you know? So it's what turns into like, it's not necessarily all like myths and bullshit and all this, although there is plenty of that as well. Um, <laughs> um, it's not all <laughs> that. I think a lot of it is that people just find something that works for them and they hold so strongly onto it that they like want to tell the world about it but then someone else feels the exact opposite way and wants to do the same thing but then it leaves everyone else in the world feeling very confused and unsure like what is quote unquote like right to do um but I do think that that's where like Mm -hmm. good coaches come in it's like okay cool you want to try this sure we'll try it for a little bit if it doesn't then I have some other things that we can try and figure out like just what's the most sustainable yeah right exactly Yeah, because I I mean, I don't sit here and say like, oh, yeah, tracking macros will be perfect for everyone. I I say, you know, it's not perfect for everyone. But then you have the other people who are saying like Mm -hmm. their way is the only Mm -hmm. right way kind of thing. So there's just there needs to be more. Yep, there it is. (laughs) And speaking of that, like anti-diet stuff, how do you feel like about someone saying that Mm -hmm. diets don't work? Oh man, I have a, I have a lot of things to say. <laughs> so, yeah, so, dive on in. <laughs> I mean, and I know with you asking this question that like, hey, we've worked with lots of people where diets work perfectly fine, you know. And I've gone through plenty of diets myself, and they have definitely worked. Sure, like if I get super low body fat or something like that, and that that's not going to be super sustainable. I do have to come back up a little bit if I do want to build muscle and and all of those things. But um, mm-hmm. it is an interesting 
premise. And I really think this phrase should be changed to fad diets don't work, <laughs> but I yeah, totally and it's, agree um, with you. funny too, because a lot of the research on like why diets don't work, of course. Yeah. We see this all the time. What, like 95% of people that lose weight within a year, gain it all back within another year or something like that. Um, and it is very, very bleak. And I talk about this all the time. That is the research that we do indeed have on diets. It's, it's not good, but what are those diets that they're doing? Pretty sure they're not like flexibly tracking macros and working with a coach to kind of help them along the ways and like teach them things. Right. So, um, Anyway, what's interesting too is that we've used a lot of that messaging in the research itself. So, and we'll use that, that like takeaways from that research and those sort of like editorial articles and things like that to essentially showcase a fixed mindset for people in research. So we'll have participants come in and go through um, a study where we're trying to essentially manipulate their mindsets. And we will quite literally use that that data and um, those types of opinions around dieting based on research, whatever, to showcase like a fixed mindset. And then someone else will the other half of like the participants will read a different um, set of points about like how you can change your fitness level over time and people have lost weight and sustained it and things like that to showcase more of a growth mindset. Um, And so we've actually used exactly that, that whole diets don't work messaging in research and it for sure like shows up as a fixed mindset, um, which is tough because- then it turns into like, okay, if people truly start to believe, okay, diets don't work, none of this is, there's no point to any of this. People are right. And if there's like, that. if they think there's no point to any of this, that what it often turns into is like, that person doesn't exercise anymore. That person doesn't eat healthy anymore. Because, mm-hmm. right, exactly. Like, so I think that there's a lot of um, nuances, like there is with everything. But especially with the messaging that we use with this, like stop dieting, like diets don't work. Like here's what all of the stats say. And I'm not saying that they don't say that, like they absolutely do. But I'm also like advocating for the fact that maybe we just need to diet smarter, um, do things differently, teach people more than just like giving them sort of plans or something like that. Um, So yeah, (laughs) long story short, go ahead. Another problem. I was just going to say like (laughs) long story short, there's a lot more to it and what it does end up looking like a lot of the times is a fixed mindset and we know from plenty of other research that that's going to lead to not changing over time and unfortunately we want to say like oh well people aren't all concerned about body composition like they'll eat healthy and work out just because they want to take care of themselves like no they're not you know <laughs> like Fortunately, a naive, a really like naive way of looking at it. Like at the end of the day, most people do have some form of body composition goals. So if they believe that like, oh, well, the diets are going to work, then that's, I mean, like burgers and fries it is for the rest of my life, because what's the point of doing it any other way? Totally, totally get that. And another thing too, is like, if, because there was a point where I almost felt guilty for doing like helping mm. people with fat loss. Yeah. Because all these dietitians were posting like how bad it was. And then I thought about it and I was like, if I don't help these people, they are going to find someone else to help them that probably won't, right. you know, that might have yep. them do like the keto diet or have them totally. cut out all their carbs or something. So I'm like, at least I am helping them in a way mm-hmm. that I know is healthy and 
like the best way that they could yeah. do this and maintain it instead of having them do something. Yeah, and totally. And then like the learn something along the way, you know? So it's not like they're just following this like 30 day program, yeah. 21 day fix, whatever is out there. And then, right. Yes, yeah. Like, of course, those change. things aren't going to be sustainable. Of course, those people are going to gain weight after a year again. They're not being taught how to do things any differently. It's a short term plan that they follow. And then once it's over, of course, they go back to what they normally do, which is just going to bring them back to square one. Like it, mm-hmm. it makes sense, right? Or even, or even worse. absolutely. <laughs> okay, the next pose that I want to talk about, it was it was a while back because I low key. <laughs> I love before it. I wrote this out. <laughs> um, but it was a post about how exercise predicts your eating habits. So I always kind of felt that this was true for me, but I did not know yeah. that it was like backed by science or had a name, which you named, you said it was mo- yeah. motivational spillover. Um, I had no idea that that was like an actual thing. I just thought it was <laughs> a thing for me. Um, but when I work out, I am more yeah. motivated to eat healthy. Yeah, so totally. It's one of those things too, where I feel like it is, um, like it's one of those things in psychology where it's like, oh, well, duh, that makes sense, you know? <laughs> but the fact that we actually have, like numbers (laughs) and statistics and like people to back it up is really cool. Um, But yeah, it's essentially this idea that like when you're exercising and I'm sure it can go the other way too. This study didn't see it that way, but I'm sure it can. Like if you're eating healthier, that that also means maybe you'll be exercising more frequently. But I think we all can kind of like resonate Mm -hmm. with this, right? It's like, oh, when you have those weeks where it's like, oh, I got in the gym as like all four days this week that I wanted to like at the, that kind of like leads you to being like, Oh yeah, I want to eat healthier. And yeah. I'm right. Those things good. all kind of like yeah. pair together. And that is what these researchers dubbed as like the motivational spillover effect. So you essentially have motivation for one thing and that spills over into other sort of related areas. So with this, they are talking essentially about how exercise does lead to healthier eating behaviors. And what's interesting too, is that it's not necessarily just like a direct relationship, which not a lot of things are like, for instance, we know that having a growth mindset about fitness will lead to more um, frequent exercise activity on a weekly basis. But it's not necessarily like, oh, your mindset leads directly to exercising more, there's more of like, mediators involved, which is essentially just like variables that are affected by that first variable. So whether it's mindset or exercise, they affect something else, which then in turn, right, exactly, totally, totally. So um, what they saw in this study specifically was that with more exercise, people were essentially having more self-determination and more intrinsic motivation. And those things are what in turn led to healthier eating behaviors. So if you were to essentially remove things like self-determination and intrinsic motivation from the picture, that relationship between exercise and eating didn't exist anymore. So it was really important to see that like, okay, so this relationship between exercising more frequently means eating healthier is because like it leads to more self-determination, which is essentially just feeling like working out is your decision. It's like self-driven, something that you're doing for yourself. And it's something that was like your choice. It's not put there by someone or something else. Um, And then also the intrinsic motivation part is essentially just motivation that is more about 
you and how you feel and not about like performing for someone else or doing it for some external reason. So um, I think in that post, actually, I had like, for self-determination to be like, okay, working out is my decision, it's my choice. And then for intrinsic motivation to be like, okay, exercise makes me feel my best. It makes me have the most energy for my daily life and to show up my best um, for all of the other responsibilities I have in my life. So working out frequently increases those kinds of feelings. And then in turn, those kinds of feelings lead you to like, Mm -hmm. huh, I also want to eat healthier too, which is pretty cool. So um, that's sort of like the idea of the spillover effect. And I'm sure that it is evident in other areas of health and fitness too. Like I mentioned with, yeah, maybe eating or healthier actually gets you to the gym more frequently or going on. Or yeah. exercising helps you sleep better. There you and go. Yeah. You eat better because your abdominal effects go. Right? Like it could like literally <laughs> lead to like a bunch of other um, behaviors and activities as well too. Yeah. It's, it's super cool. It makes a lot of sense just from like a, at face value, but it is very cool that we have real research to kind of support it too. That's awesome. So if if you guys are listening to that, (laughs) get your butt to the gym, it'll help you. Yes, there you go. It'll help you with a lot of areas. Um, So wrapping up a little bit here, I just wanted to ask you some questions that I know um, I've heard a lot of people talk about specifically, especially this year, 2020, it kind of sucks for a lot of people. So I know it's been a hard yep. year mentally for everyone. And a lot of people have been talking about yeah. stress eating or emotional eating. So do you have any tips or suggestions? For yeah. And I think definitely with since that? so many people are still working from home and they're not used to, you know, the pantry being just like three steps away. <laughs> um, it can definitely be tough when you're yeah. just like, yeah, you switched up your environment and all of that. Um, One thing I like to remind people of is this idea of habit discontinuity. And it's interesting because especially around this time when everyone's environments are changing or people's environments are still changing at this point. Like they're figuring out like, am I going to be working home forever? Like, do I need a home office? Like, what do I do here? Um, Kids are going back Mm -hmm. to school or you're teaching them from home or they're doing some form of like hybrid of like in-person and at home sort of stuff. Crazy, crazy time. Um, But this idea of habit discontinuity is sort of counterintuitive in that I think when we have all of these life changes, our automatic thought is like, the last thing I can do is change more things, right? I don't care about like eating healthy, exercising, Mm -hmm. like I got to focus on this stuff. Um, When in reality, this concept essentially dictates this idea that you can, during these times of like, life disruption or schedule um, disorientation or whatever we want to call it, it actually presents a really cool opportunity to continue to make more changes because your day-to-day life is totally different than what it used to be. You're not like getting up at 6.30 to take the dogs out, get the kids ready, get in your car, get to work by nine, come home at five, and then you have like go to the gym or whatever your plans are like that's not the case anymore um so because of that it kind of allows Mm -hmm. for a lot more space to make decisions and make choices and change essentially like reevaluate what your day-to-day life looks like against what your values and priorities are so yeah sure it can be kind of stressful but I also think where we can often fall short is assuming that because 
it's a little more stressful and a little bit uncertain that that means that nothing else can really be made a priority or nothing else can change. Because in reality, what we see from the research is that those times of life disruption are actually the best to introduce like those healthier behaviors or habits that we're really wanting to integrate because now more than ever, we have more like space in our day or things are different than our typical sort of like autopilot selves where it's like, hey, there's no way I can fit this in because this is how my day goes like step by step every single day. Does it look like that anymore? So instead, it provides us with opportunity to make choices and do things differently. So all that to say, um, this sort of like idea of just like any tips or suggestions for those who are feeling a little bit more like inclined to emotional eating or stress eating, um, I would encourage you to first and foremost, just like be before anything, like first, first and foremost, foremost, <laughs> do a little bit more, um, just like start to pay more <laughs> attention, right? Become more aware of what really causes those mm -hmm. things. Um, this is essentially what I taught in the certifications, what I teach to my clients all the time is like, we can't really expect to change anything until we really understand what we're working with. Um, and that does require more awareness, which can be uncomfortable in those situations, but mm -hmm. kind of backing up and thinking like, okay, so maybe you had an episode of stress eating, you had way too many Oreos, way more than you expected to, you feel like crap about it. Okay, let's back up. Like, what were you doing three hours before that? What about two hours before that? What about a half hour before that, you know, mm -hmm. and like, just start to put together what your environment was doing, what the context was, the people you were around, the things that maybe triggered you to feel that way. Um, and sometimes it could come back down to like basic nutrition stuff. Maybe you just didn't eat since like nine that morning and it was now six that evening. Like, of course, you're going to be like ravenous, right? So that's where that came from too. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So I think starting with a little bit more awareness of like why it's even happening in the first place. And then also kind of reminding yourself, like, just because it's like a stressful situation, things are different. Um, your lifestyle looks different. Things keep changing. Things are uncertain. Like that is the farthest thing from the truth that you cannot continue to make more changes. You know, like you're actually in a really good position to make those changes because things are different than their, your normal like autopilot mode um so it's a little bit of like <laughs> I love that you have all the research on the mindset stuff because that's not like tip right yeah, yeah. That I would look into so yeah definitely and it's, cool it's more like yeah so a little bit of awareness can go a long way number one like maybe don't even worry about changing just yet just start to become more aware and pick up on things and pay attention um and then also mm -hmm. yeah from a mindset perspective like keep in mind that like just because things are changing doesn't mean that you can't continue to change you know like we're ever changing be beings we're like the most adaptive like thing that exists on this planet. So um, just like give yourself a little bit more credit and look for places where it's like, okay, yeah, maybe I can like include a healthy snack at this point, this time of day, because I am at home and the pantry is close. And I do have like access to all these things instead of being like, seeing it as like, oh, the pantry is close. That means that I always have a chance to like grab crap food and I can't stop myself, you know, like we get into these like just self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecies of basically setting expectations for what's going to happen and not necessarily focusing on what could, mm -hmm. what, what opportunities are available instead. Yeah, that's definitely something that I've had to work on over time because like years ago, mm -hmm. I definitely would stress eat like, and I noticed it would always happen before I was going to like do something uh, that I was like nervous for. 
And then eventually I like noticed that and I was able to like think about it, like stop myself and be like, okay, why are you eating this right now? Oh, it's because Mm -hmm. you have this in an hour. So, you know, put it down. It's not going to help you feel any better. Yeah. So, you know, you you have to really like take a step back Mm -hmm. and like take a deep breath, think about it think about if it's like what right. is actually yeah, going totally. to help you I love that. in that situation um but I feel like you have just provided so much like helpful info but I do want to talk about your new project yes. project amplify and your coaching and all that stuff so <laughs> if you want to just go off yeah promote yourself plug yourself absolutely yeah so we are always taking applications for one-on-one coaching it's been awesome having three more coaches on the team and it's cool too because us four coaches interact a lot and we do a lot of like live videos and I mean I do a live video at least every Monday in our Facebook group it's like you essentially end up with getting four coaches for the price of one which is really cool so always taking applications there Mm -hmm. sort of like year-round just rolling basis if we're a good fit for each other and then project and Amplify is my like new baby (laughs) that is coming up here soon. Um, It's essentially, I wanted to honestly target women like myself, women who are go-getters, high achievers, maybe you're killing it in your career, in your family life, you've got pretty much things figured out and you feel like you're really taking care of everyone else in your life and in doing so maybe kind of forgot about yourself. So it's an opportunity for high achieving women to come together in like a small community setting. We're going to spend four months together and go over a set of different areas of my expertise between nutrition training, and of course, tons and tons of mindset stuff. Um, And it's mostly different than one-on-one coaching because I'm really aiming to teach. So I I struggled with the name because I almost wanted to call it Amplify Academy because it really is going to be more of like a, hey, I'm teaching you all of this stuff so you can apply it and amplify all the different aspects Mm -hmm. of your life once you're able to take care of yourself. Yeah, because it's so true, right? Because when you're taking care of yourself and showing up for yourself, you're able Mm -hmm. to show up for other people in your life, all of your other responsibilities, all of the hats that you wear, like all that stuff gets better when you're taking care of yourself. So my goal is to teach on training, teach on nutrition, um, teach on mindset. And kind of bring all of this stuff together and have like a very small tight knit community. So it will be a small group of people I'm planning to take applications for it just to make sure everyone does vibe well. And it's a good solid group. But yeah, so that's what's up and coming. I don't have the curriculum even fully developed at this point, but it is something that I'm really excited for. And yeah. Do you know it like, will probably officially start at the beginning of 2021 very like, um, kind of kind of cliche starting at the beginning of the year but um I do plan yeah exactly plan to do um, a couple like bonus calls and things sort of leading up to that throughout the holiday season because I don't want to overwhelm everyone with like hey we're starting this big thing while like things are getting busy with Thanksgiving and Christmas or whatever holidays you celebrate um so there'll probably be a little bit Mm -hmm. of stuff going on um in the winter but starting very um officially in um likely january of 2021 no like don't like quote me officially or anything (laughs) (laughs) yeah right (laughs) we won't hold you to it but it sounds like it's gonna be awesome i'm really excited for you and if you guys made it to the end thank you so much for your 
powering through that. I know it wasn't exactly lined up, like I said. So thank you. Um, please don't forget to leave me a rating and review. Don't rate me on my performance with this audio. <laughs> Only five star ratings. Um, and I'm going to try to record through something else in the future just to make sure that doesn't happen again. But hope you guys have an awesome day. Share this on your story. Tag me. Send me a DM. Whatever. And I'll talk to you soon.